Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What up with you, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. You know what's fascinating about uh, these press conferences is we ask players, like now you got James Harden and Ben Simmons, and we're talking about you know what went wrong at their last stop, and they kind of sort of tell a story and kind of don't tell us exact details, and they're very vague or whatever. Can you imagine if we did that? Like if you got a divorce, like um, you know, so, so and you, like you get remarried, you have, but before you get remarried, you have to do a press conference and talk about your old marriage. Well, you know, I mean, just it, the, the food was never hot and, you know, she would only wear flats, not heels. We didn't go like, gee, like, can you imagine if we did that? He wasn't attentive to any of my needs. He was always out with the boys. You know, it was just like, right. But that's what we do in sports In in sports. We do this closure thing where you got to talk about your ex. Got to talk about your ex. And instead of being with a therapist, it's in front of a bunch of reporters. That's exactly what has happened over the past days. Ben Simmons and James Harden have talked about their team exes. Here's Ben Simmons on why he wanted out of Philadelphia. Making sure mentally I was right to get out there and play again. So that's something I've been, you know, dealing with. And it wasn't about the fans or coaches or comments made by anybody. It was a lot of things had happened over that summer to where I didn't feel like I was getting that help. But it is what it is. You know, I don't have any, it wasn't a personal thing towards, you know, any player or, or coach or owners or anything like that. It was about myself, you know, getting to, to a place where, you know, I need to be. It wasn't a personal thing, right? He, again, he wants to avoid the personal conflict, but my mentals weren't right. And this wasn't a, a great mental place for me. Huh. Here's what he said uh, regarding his mental health. To me, it was just making sure mentally I was right to get out there and play again. So that's something I've been, you know, dealing with. And it wasn't about the fans or coaches or comments made by anybody. It was just a personal thing for me. That was earlier than that series or or even that season that I was dealing with, you know, and that organization knew that. So it it was something that, you know, I I continue to deal with. And, you know, I'm getting there and getting to the right place to, you know, get back on the floor. Fascinating, right? There's, there's, we do talk about mental health all the time. We only give people who we like the idea that they can have a mental health break. And we talk about mental health. I think what happened, this is my, my belief. It's the same thing as Simone Biles. We think that mental health means if you bad, bad mental health, you're depressed and suicidal, right? And which is, there's all different sorts of mental health issues. And anxiety is, is, is one of them. I can, I can tell you that, that whether it's, it was a lack of self-confidence or anxiety or performance anxiety, whatever, like, I went through that as a player, my inability to shoot a basketball. Like, do you think that a six foot ish white guard from Southern California would be recruited all over the country two times over if he couldn't shoot? Of course you would. But couldn't shoot because there's a mental aspect to it. But what happens is if you mention mental health, immediately people are like, well, he must have been depressed, suicidal. Like, no, what what could be? And that, that can be part of it. Right? Metamorphosize it. It. it it appears the symptoms can appear to be a lot of different things. I do think it's going to be interesting to see if Ben Simmons, I, 
I believe there's a mental aspect to his shooting, a massive mental aspect to it, to his shooting. Ben is a really smart guy and his, and I've used this, I use this line when I played like, look, I could shoot, but I got guys that are better shooters than me. So why? I don't need to. At some point you do need to. You don't need to shoot every time and you can only take your shots per se, but it does make complete sense. Really does. And then you, you look at, at, at how it's affected his game. I think it's a very real thing he's talking about. I don't know how changing locations on how changing teams and changing approaches changes that, but I'm willing to wait and see because Markel Fultz is not a great player, but he did reinvigorate his career. And sometimes you just need a change of scenery and a chance to start over hit reset. Don't, don't all of us wish sometimes life was like, you know, a PlayStation or, or a Nintendo where you walk by and just turn it off and turn it on. That's what he, I think he's getting. Now, on the other hand, you got James Harden. Uh, he said this about Philly being his first choice, even back to when he left Houston. When I was going through everything I was going through, you know, in Houston, uh, Philly was my, you know, my first choice. Uh, it just didn't happen. So detailed, I don't really want to get into, you know, the, the Brooklyn situation. I just knew, you know, for a very long time, this is a, a perfect fit. And obviously you got a, a, a big man, the best big man in the league in Joel. And then obviously the coaching, just from top to bottom, it made sense. And I'm just happy and, and, and blessed that I'm here. As Doc and, and everybody knows and everybody wants is, is to win and be the last team standing. So um, I'm excited for the opportunity. Here's the, here's my issue with, with Harden, okay? My issue with Harden. Take a listen to what he said on on guys around him. He wants guys around him who want to win. You know, for the most part, we can control our own destiny. Not that not that I'm saying it's a good thing or bad thing, but uh, I know in my situation, for whatever reason, I'm just it, it was mutual and relationship. Not very. I mean, new with Josh, but obviously knowing Daryl, knowing Tad, you know, from my Houston days, knowing Doc. For me, it just it, it made sense, man. It's, it's a time where I needed to be around guys that I know that want to win and know that they are willing to do whatever it takes to win. And um, the structure here is, is unbelievable. Stug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. I think what happens when you say, I don't want to talk about Brooklyn, but then you're basically crapping on Brooklyn. It, does, it, it doesn't help your argument, you know? And I, I believe that James Harden, though he wants guys to win, and I'm sure part of wants guys who want to win, I'm sure... He downplayed most of the Kyrie stuff, but it, it is troublesome when you got a guy who's so concerned with everything that doesn't feel like it has anything to do with winning. That That's a weird thing. The problem is that, that James Harden's work ethic, James Harden's attitude towards defense, th- those are the same thing. It's just a different way. He doesn't see it that way. And he's going to a guy in, um, in Daryl Morey who's been able to look past his flaws in the past and celebrate his successes which is great for James personally, but generally that doesn't end up in wins professionally. Both had to be moved. Both might be better off. Both appear to be happy. Both could get a fresh start. And they're polar opposites of of each other in terms of what they bring defensively and in many ways what they bring offensively. It is, on many levels, a fair trade because of it. But that idea of pressing reset, walking, you know, Remember when you you were getting smacked by your buddy in Madden and you just reset the game? That sounds like a good idea, but at the end of the day, he's better than you. end of the day, these problems still persist. Still persist. Uh, 
Go ahead, Jason Stewart. So, Doug, whether you uh, inadvertently did it or you did it intentionally, um, in the first minute of this segment, you brought up something that I thought to myself, that would make a great TV show. we got to figure out a way to make a reality show <laughs> out of having a press conference after your marriage. I think that would be fascinating. I'm, I don't know about you, but I love hearing uh, about people's failures and wh- what what happened that went wrong. It's juicy. It's salacious. There's got to be a, 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 a reality show in there. And and then you brought patent up pending, another. Patent, patent, patent pending, patent pending, right? <laughs> exactly right. Well, we want to we'll make sure we trademark this. Yes. What, what is the other one? And then the other one is more of a, uh, it's a, it's a fictional story, like maybe a Netflix series or something, how literally you have like a PlayStation reset button for your life. And every single episode, the main uh, character is able to push reset. And you have different, obviously different stories each episode. I mean, maybe that's been done before. Maybe it sounds like an Adam Sandler movie. But the- uh, Well, the, the uh, hold on, what, what show is it? What, I'm trying to think, is it a show or a movie where, oh, man. Oh, it's, uh, uh, sorry, I'm, I don't, I don't want to give away. There's, there's a new Marvel movie. There's a Marvel, mo- the most recent Marvel movie that's out essentially has that. It's like the multiverse thing. Is that what you're talking? Like what's uh, the, multi- what's the yeah. multiverse thing? <laughs> well, John knows all about the multiverse. He tries to explain. Were you talking about the, time, the, but... the last Spider-Man movie? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's a multiverse. So there's, there's many different dimensions. Like there could be a Doug Gottlieb on earth 12. It's just not, it's a different, like maybe you played for the Lakers in that earth. You were like the best player on the Lakers, you know, or an earth 10. Doug Gottlieb was the head coach of, you know, the New Jersey, the Brooklyn Nets on that, in yeah. that, you know, it's just different dimensions, different paths that Doug took. This dimension, you are a talk show, sports talk show host on Fox Sports Radio at this current time. I just meant in that last Spider-Man. Uh, there's a, <laughs> I'm there's sorry. A, that was a lot, a lot of <laughs> information. Maybe that's no, you're fine. You're fine. No, um, I, I was. I'm talking more about the fact that in the last Spider-Man, there was uh, a kind of reset, but all of his friends would forget him. Right. See, that's right. Yep. See, that's the key to this uh, in in this con- concept that we're putting together. The key to reboot. That's the name of the series. The key to reboot is that you, <laughs> you are you remember everything about what you did, so you don't do the same things wrong again. You know, well, that's it, that, that's but that's uh, that's Groundhog Day, isn't it? It is, yeah. But Groundhog hey, but Day was your, a trap, it, and it was it was one day. So this is you can do it once. You can press reset on your whole life. Yeah, that those are the a, details certain, you need to work out to a know? certain to a certain point in time. I mean, mine's. Yeah really easy but um <laughs> really easy when when, when, <laughs> when mine went astray i don't know if that's good or bad right like you know exactly the point well, i know a like, bunch of i know a bunch of different yeah. points it would be i mean they go back to when i'm 18 19 years old right like if there's if there's one i, I would love to see how it would have played out um gosh that's a that's a pretty good that's it's a like, pretty good one, man. What you what you know now, and what you could have done with that knowledge. What is the uh, who said uh, Churchill said? Somebody said what that youth is wasted on the what on is the it? Young? <laughs> youth is wasted on the young. It's kind of like that theme, right? You, you take everything you know now back, and you reboot. Toby Keith said, "I wish I didn't know now what I didn't know then. I wish I could start this whole thing over again." I think that's that was that was Toby Keith. That was not Winston Churchill. 
Toby also saying the I am uh, not as good as I once was, but I'm as good of once as I ever was. Also accurate. Doug Gottlieb show rolls on here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, Brian Billick's going to join us later on in the hour. We'll ask him his favorite Toby Keith song. I'm kidding. Okay, so call it so call it right now, buyer. Um, which of these arranged marriages work better, Simmons in uh, Brooklyn or Harden in Philly? I think Simmons in Brooklyn because of his role on that team. Good call. I, I think that uh, of being the third guy in doing what he needs to do is uh, very advantageous. He is not brought in there to transcend the game or to change the game. And even though I think that Harden will do well in Philly, I just think that, uh, and I am not high on Ben Simmons, but I think the Simmons situation is better for him. Jason Stewart? By the way, can I add just one thing? I'm sorry. No, Dan, no. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't even think that they're close in terms of basketball. Like, James Harden is obviously, in my mind, just so much better than Ben Simmons and will be better than Ben Simmons ever will be. But in the situation and how it plays out, I think the Nets will fare better than the Sixers. Uh, I think I think Harden is substantially better offensively. I don't think he's substantially better as an all. I, I think he's, and he's a better passer. Although Simmons is a good passer, everything else, I, I think Simmons does what does better. Now that may not mean a lot because Harden has the ball in his hands. Also, well, Harden, it, it's what it's, else it's hard there? to hard. Well, it's hard to play with. Like what? Well, we have a tendency to do. And it's really hard because nobody watches all these basketball games, right? But we have a tendency to do is we just look at the stats. We're like, well, look at... But when a guy holds the ball that much and the ball doesn't move, and that's how James plays, right? He just holds it and waits till he gets the advantage he wants or gets the mismatch he wants, and then he he attacks. There is a... It's it's just he's hard for other guys to get their game going because there's the, basketball is... It's like a rhythm. There's a rhythm to it, right? And what gets him in rhythm doesn't get always get others in rhythm it's hard and and look i would tell you that steph curry's hard to play with but the the but but steph because steph will take shots that you're not expecting steph will throw the pass you're not expecting and he's not really a point guard he doesn't his play isn't designed to make others better whereas i think james is more of a point guard does make everybody better but the ball absolutely stops dead when he gets it and, and whereas you know i i do think that one of the things they figured out in Golden State is it's easier to play with Steph when he's moving the ball and moving and opens up everything else for mm-hmm. everybody else. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, what about you, Jason Stewart? You going to call it? Uh, who works out better in their new place? I think Simmons works out better. And and what you just said reminded me of something you said um, uh, last week about Kobe. Um, how like Kobe, amazing guy, a great story, and he won his titles, but. He wasn't like the easiest guy to play with or the easiest guy to watch on a nightly basis for me. I, I put Harden in that category. He's not an easy watch. No, I didn't like. I, I've said this all the time. I I think James Harden's a great basketball player. I do not like watching James Harden play basketball, and I love watching people play basketball. It's a, it's a weird one. By the way, Gary, who's listening to the show forever, says, "Would I like a life reboot? Sure. Here's the problem: is the reboot you wouldn't have your kids anymore? Different wife? Eh, could be a push, but." Couldn't give up my boy, right? Think about that. Like, when does your, ooh, when do you make that change? Oh, come on. But but think about the beautiful kids you could have made with the girl that got away, Gary. 
I understand. Listen, I understand. By the way, if it's a beautiful woman who got away, sometimes two good-looking people don't make good-looking kids, right? Have you ever seen that? Like, right? With, <laughs> you know what they say oh, about man. about a good-looking kid usually has two ugly parents. I'm serious. You've never heard that before? No, I've heard it, but I'm, I... It's a real thing. Oh, oh was it? It's real? It's, it's Most gorgeous, most really good-looking people? Uh-huh. Average-looking parents. Like, I will bet... Tom Brady's yeah, Tom Brady's kids kind of look like Tom Brady, but Tom Brady, Tom Brady married to Giselle. You think they're producing another supermodel? No, I don't know what it is about. It's like a gene. Was it gene? Um, what's it called when 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 it skips a generation? I think skip a generation. Skips a generation. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Brian Billick joins us. Of course, oh, okay, I thought Coach was waiting. I didn't want to, you know, we'll get to Brian Billick in a second. In the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Um, always interesting when guys go, I'm fully healthy. Can you play? No, I'm not ready to play. Like, well, I thought you're fully healthy. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens with those Nets once we get to the second half of the season because they've lost their last 11 games. Let's let's turn back to the NFL as Brian Billick joins us. Of course, he led the Ravens to a Super Bowl about 20 years ago. He's joining us on behalf of X-Tech Shoulder Pads. Coach, if, uh, if I were to ask you, put on your pure coaching cap, not what America saw, what you saw. What do you think of the Super Bowl? You know what? I, I thought it was a great Super Bowl. I thought it was indicative of the entire playoff uh, process that really any any combination of teams could have been in the Super Bowl. I've been being asked all day, are, are these the two best teams? Well, yeah, they were because they got to the Super Bowl, but you could have made a case, with the exception maybe Philly and Pittsburgh in the playoff seat, every single one of these teams could have made a run at this thing and, and would have had great games. And so um, what, what jumped out at me is obviously – the, the, the power of good personnel when you when you go to Cooper Cup when you go to uh, Aaron Donald I mean they they're the real deal and they were the difference in the game so you know as as I've always said you know this is this is not a game of X's and O's it's a game of Jimmy's and Joe's and they, they you know Ella had the right Jimmy's and Joe's and Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup who would you have voted the MVP. Oh boy that was that was going to be a tough one because I mean obviously Aaron Donald showing up when he needed to show up to finish out the game. I mean, just that whole sequence of the 15-play drive and and the fact that all they really had was Cooper Cup because of the injury to OBJ. They really weren't getting the running game cranked up. Matthew Stafford knew this is going to come down to Cooper Cup, and he, he delivered. Uh, and then on the flip side, against a, a, a good Joe Burrow and Cincinnati Bengal team that could be so explosive, and, and had to say, you know what, if we can if just give us the ball in our hands to finish the game and we'll be happy. Uh, and for Aaron Donald to show up the way he did to snuff it out, boy, I, boy, I, don't, I don't know that I could have made that choice. Yeah, I, I, I thought because Aaron Donald had help and Cooper Cup really didn't, I, I, had, I thought it was Cooper Cup it was easy, but Aaron I can, Donald's level. I can buy that, yeah. Yeah, yeah and Aaron Donald was, was dominant in, in his, his own right, so it, it's hard. Um Matt Stafford, do you view him differently after how he played on that stage or how he played in the playoffs? You know, it, it's hard because coming out of Detroit, you know, I was excited to see Matthew Stafford come to the Rams. 
because I was anxious to see him in an environment where he wasn't going to have to throw the ball 750 times, which is, so, you know, 700, 750, 650 or more all those years in Detroit to have a support staff, to have a running game, to have a system that strives to stay balanced, to have a good defense. Um, and so I thought a lot of Matthew Stafford coming in. I think obviously he stepped up and delivered. Not perfect. Obviously the turnovers they had the latter part of the season, even the two turnovers he had in the game, which one really wasn't his fault. Uh, but, but that 15-play drive, I think, truly consummated him as the legitimate pro that he, that he is. Uh, and, and obviously he, he's still going to probably play more, but showed that, yeah, he's, he's everything – we thought he could be when he was the first overall pick. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. That's the voice of of Brian Billick, who of course won a Super Bowl in 2000. You know what? Honestly, the, the Rams are a perfect team to ask you about because here's what I remember about the 2000 Ravens, arguably the best defense we had ever seen, right? And you guys, the, the struggle running it back was you guys were in cap hell, right? You went for it, and you were in cap hell. Now, the cap's a little bit different now, and it's going to spike up this, this year after going down for a year. But what are those challenges like of trying to bring everybody back, do it again, when you also have salary cap issues? Well, that is the challenge. You saw Tampa Bay do it last year brilliantly, kind of holding that Super Bowl team together and came up a little bit short this year. We did the same thing. We extended ourselves. Uh, came and, and ended up losing in the divisional round. Um, but then it's the next year. And, and that Ozzie Newsome, every time we extended the guy, said, now you know what this means for 2002, right, where we had like 19 or 20 rookies on the team, one of the youngest teams ever in the NFL. And that's just, that's just the way the cap works. So, uh, you know, we'll have to see, obviously, a lot of decisions for the Rams. They kind of sold out to this year and said that we're all in. But now you got to kind of pay the piper. And even in Cincinnati, you know, they're, they're in a great position to move forward because they're on a still a rookie contract with Joe Burrow. But at some point, they're going to have to give him one of the mega contracts that extends you now from the standpoint of what we're able to do to, to, to hold this team together. And particularly for a team like Cincinnati, that has been a team that's not been one to particularly uh, put out a lot of money, go into free agency a great deal. So uh, both teams are going to be interesting to see how they move forward. Well, let's let's get into some other issues in the NFL. Kyler Murray um, apparently has been labeled as uh, a guy who's a bit immature. Uh, to combat that, he he stopped following his team on Instagram and Twitter. I'm not sure if that if that only proves their point. But there's been questions about his leadership. He posted on social media that like he's all about football and all about winning. Um, what do you make of this weird situation with Kyler? Considering they're coming off a playoff appearance. As a team, they've gotten better every year, yet he struggled without DeAndre Hopkins late in the year, but it's so early in his career. What do you think is going on in Phoenix? Well, standard operating procedure, isn't it? Uh, I mean, uh, the quarterbacks and, and some of the diva mentality, uh, the elevated presence that they have in this league, particularly by way of the contracts, uh, they're going to have to you know, decide to pay him as well. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's a price that comes with that. I, I, I don't know the young man. I don't know whether the maturity is an issue or not. Uh, obviously he's going to, you know, if he's going to get that next big contract, he has to show he can be that leader in the locker room. Uh, and he may or may not be that for the, for the Arizona Cardinals, but like the Joe Burrow, uh, uh, analogy, I mean, it's, it's a great advantage to be on a rookie contract in terms of what else you can pay for the team. 
But at some point when you have to pay these guys, we've seen an example after example how that then affects the team going forward in terms of limiting some of its catch space and what it's able to do. Obviously, Cleveland, they also have a tough decision. You know, are you going to give one of these big contracts to Baker Mayfield? Has he earned that? So, you know, the, 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 the dilemma we always have going into the draft in terms of the misses that you have, and it's 50-50 at best in drafting a quarterback in the first round, it doesn't end there because then now you get to the next stage where are we going to pay these guys? Brian Billick's our guest on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm checking out Carson Wentz, and it looks like he's going to be moved or cut from Indy. Um, how much of this is on Carson Wentz, and how much of it is is on the, the Philadelphia Eagles in what appears to be a loss of confidence. I that's the only, I mean, m- m- maybe it's something else, but you know, look, this is what happens with players when they start second guessing themselves and they're not the same player. Who do you put the biggest portion of the blame on in the downfall of Carson Wentz? Oh gosh. I mean, at the end of the day, the player is going to be the responsibility you know, take the responsibility of how he responded to it. There's a lot of players that have been in similar situations. You look at uh, Ryan Tannehill uh, that, that goes to another team and is able to reestablish and play at a level to reestablish that. I, I, was, I, I was one that thought Carson Wentz with the new um, setup in Indianapolis was going, to, was going to be okay. I thought what went on in Philly wasn't fair to lay at the feet of Carson Wentz, but obviously it has affected it because particularly in critical situations on a team that was pretty good, um, he just kind of came up short. He's, he played better than he had the previous year in Philly, certainly. But just in critical situations, he didn't seem to have it. So whether that's a confidence issue or whether he physically is at a point where he just can't do it anymore, you know, that physical style of play, of, of extending plays, it, it, maybe it has taken its toll to the point where he can't continue to do that. Brian Billick's our guest on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. A lot of people are talking about Aaron Donald, how dominant he is. Of course, when you had... You had two that were, I mean, you had an unbelievable defense. Ray Lewis at his peak, Ed Reed at their peak. Do either of their levels of dominance compare with Aaron Donald and what he's been able to do? Boy, you know, the fact that the, the position that he plays, you, you, the, the old adage is you build great defenses from the inside out, from the front back. And, and at the middle, obviously the middle linebacker position, the safety position, and just phenomenal Hall of Fame players like Ed Reed and, and Ray Lewis. But that ability to dictate from the interior of the defensive line, it kind of starts from there. Uh, and you can build a whole lot around that. So, yeah, in that instance, what he's able to do, just how dominant he is on the inside uh, and how that affects the entire defense compared to maybe some other positions, yeah, he's, in, he's, in, he's definitely in rare air. Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. X-Tech Childer Pads. Um, what makes him so special? Well, yeah, it's a great story. I mean, for nine years, uh, back at a time when, when Bob Broderick and Ted Monica looked to the future and said, look, we got to take the head out of the game, so pads are, are going to be that much more important. And pads hadn't changed in 40 years until I tech pads. It's the number one pad in the NFL, number one pad in major college football right now. It was very gratifying to see virtually every player on the Los Angeles Rams, the world champion Los Angeles Rams, is an X-Tech Pads. Why? Because they're the best pads on the market. Uh, and it's great now that the high school players and, and parents 
are taking ownership of that, wanting to make sure their players in the best protection possible, going to xtechpads.com. It's been great to see the growth of this company and, and why it's the number one pad in all of pro football and college football and quickly becoming the number one pad in all of high school football. You're, you're seeing a transformation in coaching staffs, and maybe it's because we had two guys who worked together, but they're also very young, and Zach Taylor and Sean McVay. You look around the league, and that's it's a copycat business. Not every coach follows that, right? Not every coach has. You have Lovey Smith getting another opportunity. Uh, Brian Dable's been in it for a, a, you know, a little bit longer. But you do have this group of younger coaches. What do you think of this trend of guys who are in that Kyle Shanahan, are in that Sean McVay mode, and they're getting uh, these coaching opportunities? Yeah, it's it's just the cycle we're in right now. I, I've long, you know, if, if you have lunch with Sean McVay, you immediately go to the top of the list of head coaching opportunities, uh, and rightfully so. They've been brilliant in terms of what these young coaches have done. Uh, um, let's remember Zach Taylor going in, just how much pressure he was under. The the first two years didn't go too well, but they were able to pull it off, and that's great. And it just happens to be the cycle we're in. It's neither good nor bad. Uh, good. It's great to see good young coaches get an opportunity. Uh, you'd like to see some of the more veteran coaches get that opportunity as well. And if and if there could be success with these guys that are doing it now, then then we'll kind of see that cycle as well. But you know, we go from uh, first we're going to have just the coordinators, and then it's going to be former head coaches, and then it's college coaches. You know, it's tough to win in the NFL, and so whatever cycle we go through, it kind of goes through, has its limited successes, and we go to some other cycle. So we seem to be entrenched in that cycle right now. Coach, it's great to have you on. We hope you're always in it. Our phone call is always that you're in our cycle of, of guests. Thanks so much for joining us and, and sharing the story of X-Tech shoulder pads as well. Sounds great. That's Brian Billick, former head coach of the Baltimore Ravens. Check out the latest, latest lines from World of Sports, BetRivers Sportsbook. BetRivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Must be 21, present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Could one athlete's vaccination decision alter that sports history find out next fox sports radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app search fsr to listen live doug gottlieb show fox sports radio let's get to the press shall we the press Dan Beyer, what do you have, my friend? Doug, a lot to get to. A public service announcement actually just uh, serving me, not necessarily the public, but it could serve the public. Today, Mike Harmon and myself recorded our final edition of the I Want Your Flex podcast for this I NFL season. Flex. Yes, Ryan Bersinger is our executive producer. He joined us as well as we wrapped up our six-round uh, fantasy draft for 2022. It will drop tomorrow, but uh, yeah, a good season in the books. Tears were shed Yay. in our final episode of the season, but can't wait to get back to it late in the summer. Thank yeah, you that- for uh, affording me the opportunity to promote that. Now, anything possible? Anything is possible. Novak Djokovic. You know he screwed that up, right? No, I Go didn't. back and look. Yeah, Adidas, Adidas's campaign at the time, he's an Adidas guy, was nothing is impossible. Okay, and he's and Kevin Garnett. They win the NBA championship, and he goes, "Anything's possible." <laughs> and the dudes sitting there going, "Like, mm, close enough." Why? 
Way to go, KG. Way to go, KG. <laughs> Rafael Nadal holds the uh, mark right now for the most uh, men's singles titles in tennis, uh, Grand Slam singles titles in uh, tennis history. Ten. 21 after winning the Australian Open. He obviously was tied with Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic. Djokovic obviously didn't play in the Australian Open because of his COVID status. Well, he spoke with the BBC within the last 24 hours and said missing competitions like the Australian Open and possibly the French Open over his vaccination status was a, quote, price that I'm willing to pay. End quote. It's over, Johnny. Here's the problem with Novak Djokovic was, had he simply taken this stance a long time ago, I don't think he would have had the issue. It Mm. it was the not telling it, being deceitful as to whether or not he had been or was going to get vaccinated and whatever, right? That was was the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) The drops. (laughs) Sorry. We can maybe lighten up on some of them. Uh, Djokovic told the BBC, quote, I was never against vaccination, confirming that he was vaccinated as a child, but added, I've always supported the freedom to choose uh, what you put in your body, end quote. Okay. Said that the whole ordeal in Australia was very hard as he was uh, being detained. That Look, dude, Novak. I mean, he, he may ride this thing out. He may be able to get away with playing, not being va- not being vaccinated. It is kind of silly when you're a tennis player, right? But um, it also is interesting because if you just get the vaccination, you'll be the greatest ever, but you won't. So I don't know. That's a yeah, hard question, bro. I mean, it, it's, it is interesting. I mean, it's a good conversation just because – we talk a lot about missing games. You just brought up Carson Wentz and, and that whole conversation of of him not being able to practice when you were talking with Chris Sims that week. Like we're talking about Djokovic's stance is, you know, maybe the greatest of all time. And maybe you don't need that official title to be considered that, but uh that's where we are right now. How about this story from college football? The Conference USA has released their twenty twenty two conference schedule for football that includes Marshall, Old Dominion, and Southern Miss on the schedule. The only problem is is those three schools have already announced that they are leaving for the Sun Belt this summer. Now, in a statement, Conference USA says they will exhaust all legal actions to make sure that their members meet their contractual obligations. Don't ask me about that again. So this is what happens. All these schools are leaving these conferences. The conferences, their only recourse is, all right, hey, you can't play in our conference tournament. And then, you know, the media is like, oh, it's so unfair to the kids. Like, so what are you supposed to do if you're the mm. conference? Mm. You just, I, which, you know, the Missouri Valley's already kind of given back into UIC, to, or is it? UIC. Mm-hmm. UIC is in what, what Horizon? Like, uh, the Horizon is given into them. And yeah, I mean, like, what are you supposed to do? You, supposed to, you, you guys just leave? <laughs> and, and, the, and the Sunbelt Conference is expected to announce their schedule in early March. So it'll be interesting to see if Marshall has uh, two games on certain schedules throughout the uh, right. the fall. It will end up... Uh, By the way, be- Matt Harvey admits to using the old booger sugar, huh? You guys see that? I, with with I, the Tyler Skaggs trial? Right. Yeah, I know that it was he and Cam Bedrosian and C.J. Crone testified that they did purchase opioids from the uh, former Angels PR employee, Eric Kay, right. in, uh, in connection with the death. I, but Matt, Matt Harvey was like, but, yeah, I would use every, uh, by the way, when he was in New York and it started to go bad, everyone I knew in sports knew it. They just felt you couldn't report it because there was no positive test or whatever that he was a, he was a coke guy mm. and remember matt harvey i think started the all-star game right as a rookie 
Is that right, Dark Knight? Did he start the All-Star game as a rookie? I remember he started the All-Star game in New York. Yeah, I don't yeah, remember I he's a rookie. So. Yeah. As a rookie, right. and then, you know, why did his career fall apart? Like, say no to drugs, kids. Do you also yep. remember the Dan Patrick interview? Yep. Yep. Which one? With, the, uh, with Matt Harvey, which one? <laughs> what did Dan sorry. ask about? I No, it was Dan mm-hmm. had him on. And at, I mean, if does John just want to play drops the whole thing? Like I'm really having a tough time in telling the stories. Is that John? just tell the story? It's good. We're yeah, good. I, I'm just it, Dan was trying to ask him a question, and Matt was like, "I'm not here to talk about that. Like I'm here to talk about you know whatever company it was pubbing, and and all they wanted you know talk about what it, whether it was a mattress or whether it was a, like he was like, "I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about you know Slim Jims." Or whatever, and and he's like, "All right, well, why are we having you on the show then?" But I remember that was like the first time where it was really backlash. Then he had to come back and uh, and apologize. This was years ago, but but yeah, I, it was it was crazy. That was kind of like the first moment of like, okay, maybe Matt Harvey doesn't get it. He went right. He went from like beloved figure to, you know, uh, he was so bad in the World Series. Remember, remember that? Oh, he was bad in that World Series. The Super anyway. Bowl telecast averaged 99.2 million viewers on NBC. Now, that's up from last year's Super Bowl, which did not have good numbers. Uh, on average, uh, 112.3 million viewers uh, watched Super Bowl 56. Here's my question. What changed from last year to this year? They're like, you know what? I got to watch the Super Bowl. Uh, you and I, we watch every Super Bowl ever, right? But there's yeah. a, a, there's like 10 million people who last year forgot the Super Bowl was on. And yeah. last year they had Pat Mahomes and Tom Brady. It's just weird. They're like, oh, Super Bowl. Maybe they had Brady fatigue. Streaming, by the way, doubled from last year to this year for the amount of people who streamed. Right. Plus there's like 25, 30 million more who like bootleg their streaming. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but the last two Super Bowls uh, this year and uh, last year's did not crack the 100 million mark, and in fact, only one of the last four Super Bowls have cracked the total viewers of 100 uh, million. That's on network TV, and that sure. was the Chiefs and Niners on Fox, and that's the press. Oh, no back end, but we no have back 80 end? million drops. No, ba- no back end, but let's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we can have yeah, yeah, but uh, no, uh, no press. Kyle Busch is going to join us tomorrow. I'm going to ask him why he burned out his tires in L.A., right? He had a great car, burned out his tires. Plus, he's trying to win his first ever uh, Daytona 500. That's this weekend on Fox. Got some picks for you. I'll put them on social media. Uh, This is the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio.